we might have overstupided it. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 307. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Perlman, and I am joined this evening, afternoon, morning, drive to work by the one and only Charles Featherer. Hello, hello. And the one and only Marco Sanchez. Hola. Hola. You know, Marcos and I did a command fest this weekend. But we're not here to talk about that, are we? Or are we? I mean... Could uh, we talk about that? We just, no. Just some light banter at the beginning. Oh, okay. We're allowed light banter. That's good. Yeah, we actually worked <laughs> an event together. I know. It's the first time in many, many years of judging events and never encountering each other. Yeah. Or it's one of the few times, like... JudgeCast hosts working an event together is actually a fairly rare occurrence these days. It, it, <laughs> it wasn't super common before, at least no. all th- all three of no. them. It, it, it was yeah. it was uh, uh, there was an SCG that was billed, I believe, as as the JudgeCast SCG or something like that. Oh well, see that one that one actually got <laughs> canceled uh, because yeah, uh, CJ and I got suspended. <laughs> and only Dunks Dunks was the last man standing. Um yeah, there was only one judge for a judge cast open, if I remember. Yes, the rest of us were just plain old citizens. Oh. Uh however, yes, we, we do have a given the fact that last episode was a bit heavy. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> this episode's gonna be you know, actually, real quick, I had some friends who just play magic who listened to the episode. And they they said, Brian, we listened to the episode, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but it sounds like judges just have, like, Stockholm Syndrome. And it was like, yeah, kind of. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's just sort of like, like, Watsy is, like, the absolute worst partner ever with all the gaslighting, you know, with the telling Tios, oh, no, we love judges, and then just (laughs) beating us when we get home, you know. Anywho, to, to be fair, we, we, we have had we have had a lot of very good feedback, both uh, critical and and positive uh, from that episode. And we want to thank everybody who reached out to us and talked yeah. to us about it. I, I think we hit the right uh, the right balance because we've got people saying that we went too hard. We've also got people saying that we went too soft. So I, I kind of think that that means that we hit it just right, because it seems like, you know, we're, we were right smack in the middle of, uh, of that. But Yeah, yeah. and before we completely leave oh. this, one area that I felt like we did not give enough service to was how um, judges outside of the U.S. and, and North America felt. Um, I did get some rather critical feedback that, you know, they have been upset for a long time. Um, so I just want to call that out and, and thank them for for reaching out and talking to us about it. Yeah. But this episode yes. is not a heavy episode. This no. episode is going to be both educational and hopefully a little stupid. Well, like, not too like, not, not too stupid. I'm talking like <laughs> stupid with two O's. Like stupid. Ooh, stupid? Stupid. It's the perfect Goldilocks Judge Cast style level of stupid. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, so, so what are we what are we doing this this week? Well, we're going to revisit a topic that we have not visited. Oh wait, I didn't check that. Um, we haven't visited in quite some time. Marcus, do you know when it was that we were last on this topic? Buffeting. 
a gajillion <laughs> years ago. It was a while. Yeah. 100 and something. Stickers. We're talking about stickers. Yes. Well, well but we haven't revisited state-based actions in a, in a minute. Um, and the neat thing about the game is the game evolves, the game changes, the game adds new rules. And in the case of state-based actions, we've added quite a number of new state-based actions since the last episode that we recorded on the topic. So the idea is every once in a while we 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 take a topic that, that we have not visited in a while, we dust it off a little bit, we, we look at it from the side and we say, hey, you're kind of different now. Maybe we should talk about you again. And we bring it back up and we um revisit all of the different things that have come across and have changed since then and and uh also the old stuff so that we make sure everybody knows everything they need to know about state-based actions yeah because it's terribly exciting yeah that sounds really kind of serious and dry i said we were gonna do something (laughs) we're gonna have fun i'm sorry i'm sorry well Well, how are we gonna make this how are we going to make state-based actions stupid? I, I think we're going to get to that. Oh, oh, a yeah. teaser. All right. A teaser, a teaser. But first, we have to go through the, the basics about what state-based actions are, right? So we have to do the turn-based action or the podcast-based action of explaining what a state-based action is? Yeah, yeah. And we're going to do okay. it uh, on my priority. <laughs> All right. We're going to jump right in and do it. So state-based actions are basically the cleanup actions of the game. They happen whenever certain conditions are met. They're checked whenever uh, a player receives priority. So uh, they don't use the stack. That's number one about state-based actions. They they do not actually require the use of the stack. They happen above and beyond or outside of that, which is pretty cool, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so these state-based actions are not to be confused with turn-based actions. No. Okay, a, tur- a turn-based action is is an action in the game that's not owned by anybody that happens at a certain point in the turn. Like the declare attackers step has the turn-based action of declaring attackers. The untap step, step, the untap step, (laughs) jeez, the untap step has a turn-based action of untapping your cards. See, okay, state-based actions are actions, yes, Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> obviously, I can't turn it off now. Um, <laughs> state-based actions it's are actions that happen show. when the yeah, game gets in a particular state. Hush, hush now, <laughs> fellas. <laughs> All right. So, so just so we're clear, they don't use the stack. Um, they're not turn-based actions, but what they are, they are they're game actions. Um, they aren't controlled by any individual player. So. Things like active player, non-active player have no bearing on what state-based actions are trying to do. And so after that, there's a specific rule, 704.3 in the comprehensive rules, that says whenever a player would get priority, see another rule. Because, you know, the best rules explain themselves by referring to other rules. But in this instance, the game checks for any of the listed conditions for state-based actions and then performs all applicable state-based actions simultaneously as a single event. If you do any of these state-based actions, if you perform any of them as a result of a check, the check is repeated. Otherwise, all triggered abilities that are waiting to be put on the stack are put on the stack, and then the check is repeated. Now, I'm going to stop there really quickly because we, yeah. before the cast, we were having a moment of like, wait, what? Why? We just did the thing, and then you allowed us to move forward to put the triggers, 
and then you're having us do the thing again. And this kind of sums up back to the core concept of what state-based actions are, which is these are the game just continuously making sure that nothing goes completely off the rails. Hang on. Let's, let's for just a second, uh, when you say continuously, because this is not to be confused with continuous effects that can change in the middle of resolving a spell or ability where the game is actually continuously checking continuous effects. State-based actions are checked at discrete moments in time. Those discrete moments just happen to be right before a player would get priority. It just so happens that that happens a whole lot. Yeah, I guess you're right. I shortcut the word continuously there because it happens basically, you know how people talk about, oh, if you want to play a perfect game of magic, you're going to have to do 8,000 priority passes. Now imagine like doubling or tripling that and sticking state-based action checks in between every one of those. And that's how often it's happening. It's very frequently checked, but you are correct. It's definitely distinct from a continuous checking of continuous actions. So let's talk about, let's just give an example. It says state-based actions are are checked. And then if any state-based actions happen, we check state-based actions again and again and again until none, none are there. And mm-hmm. so let's let's give an example of I have a bunch of a bunch of elves and they all give all other elves plus one plus one. Okay. Classic. And right. And they have different uh tough toughnesses or something like that. And I kill one of the one of the elves that was giving all the other elves plus one plus one. Okay, so now all my elves have, or I deal, I deal a series of damage to the elves. Um, the one of the elves dies that gives all the other elves plus one plus one. So now uh, it's it's gone. State based actions, it's gone. Now all the elves are one toughness less, and for whatever reason, uh, that is enough to cause one of the other elves to die. Okay, and it's put into the graveyard. And then we check state-based actions again. Well, now that that elf is gone, all the elves' toughnesses one less, and another one, and another one. And you just keep chaining them to get them off, off the field. And that's what we mean by if a state-based actions are performed as a result of the check, the check is repeated, and you keep going until you run out of state-based actions. Mm-hmm. Then you put any triggered abilities that are waiting to be put on the stack or put on the stack... And then you check state-based actions again. And I think that's what we were talking about where we were a little confused about is we're checking them again, but I can't really think of any triggers that go on the stack. That's different from resolving, but triggers that go on the stack that would cause a state-based action to be performed. Might be something super obvious. Nothing's coming to mind right now. Yeah. Good thing is we're about to go through all of them, so we'll keep an eye out. Yeah, we'll keep an eye out. So then... Once once all state-based actions have been done, all triggers put on the stack, state-based actions checked again, then a player gets priority and can actually do stuff. Yeah, and actually, this came up over the weekend while we were at uh, Command Fest Orlando, where we were all talking about checking state-based actions in the cleanup step. This process does also occur during the cleanup step, except that if no state-based actions are performed as a result of the step's first check, and you don't have any triggered abilities that are waiting to be put on the stack, then just nobody gets priority and the step just ends. Uh, I think we were talking about like end of turn effects wearing off, 
that would potentially cause the trigger to go on the stack. And they were wondering, oh, I think it was uh, the new Doctor Who card, Everybody Lives, that says, well, you can't die this turn. But when do you die when that ends? Do you die at the beginning of the next turn or at the end of this turn after cleanup? Well, when does state-based actions get checked? Again, we're, con- we're going to be checking state-based actions at these determined times after we have ended until end of turn effects and wore off damage. Then the state-based action robots come back in to do their sweep of the room like a little Roomba and notice, oh, hey, I have a player who should be losing the game. You will lose the game right then and there. All right, uh, so yeah, another bit in that big paragraph that uh, that Marcos read was he said the game's going to check for this long list of state based actions, find a whole bunch, and then if any of the applicable state based actions need to be performed, they're all performed simultaneously as a single event. Okay, so it's not like you do the state based actions in order; it's you go from a state where none of the state-based actions have happened yet to a state where all of the state-based actions have happened. Okay. Uh, an example of that is a creature with modular, right? A creature with modular says if it, if it dies, uh, all of the, it, it's a triggered ability on, on when it dies, all of the plus one, plus one counters on it can go on target artifact creature. So if I have a zero zero creature with a plus one plus one counter on it and modular, and then it gets a minus one minus one counter put on it, just we have we have two state based actions. One, I've got a creature that's effectively a zero zero. It's got a plus one plus one counter and a minus one minus one counter on it, so its toughness is zero. So it needs to go into the graveyard. I also have a state based action that says plus one plus one counters and minus one minus one counters explode each other. Okay. Well, because those two things happen at the exact same time, we went from a state where I had a zero zero creature with a plus one plus one counter on it and a minus one minus one counter on it to a dead creature in the graveyard with no counters on it at all. So when it died, it actually had a plus one plus one counter on it. Okay, because mm-hmm. we just we didn't we didn't have the counters merge and explode and then put the creature in the graveyard. We just did all of them at once. Good. So uh, state-based actions are not triggers. We don't want you to make the mistake that they could be that either. Um, They don't care what's happening while spell or ability is resolving. So whenever a spell or ability is resolving and it's doing multiple game actions uh, as a course of that, um, the state-based actions would not check in the middle. So if you had something that was... Uh, that you had a creature on your board that power and toughness was set by the number of cards in your hand. If you had uh, a spell that as it was resolving would discard your hand and then draw two new cards, um, the creature will not die in the middle of the spell resolving. It'll, the spell will finish resolving and it will look back and it'll say, Oh, you're a two, two, you're fine. Um, So it only checks after. If multiple state-based actions would cause the same outcome at the same time, for instance, causing a player to lose the game, a single replacement action will combine those outcomes into one effect. So that one I read as, okay, I'm playing a game of Commander, and my opponent has <laughs> yes. a Skithrix that they've attacked me with a bunch of times, and they deal me damage, and they've dealt a combination of 21 Commander damage, plus dealt me 10 uh, poison counters, and my life total went down to zero. 
all of that would combine into just, yeah, you lost. Don't need to be fancy about it. You lose. Yep. Yep. Same outcome. And then lastly, if a state-based action makes a permanent leave the battlefield at the same time other state-based actions would affect the permanent, then last known information is used to understand the game state before it was removed. Uh, and that really has, I think, a lot to do with plus one, plus one counters, minus one, minus one counters, and undying. It's it's also the modular the modular. It's also the modular well. example as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's most of the rules that surround state based actions, which are, are you know, it, it for a section that controls so much of the game. There's not a lot there, right? It, there's there's not a lot of things that are are happening. It's it's a very straightforward process. It's almost stupid. Wait, no, wait. We're not doing that yet, are we? Not quite. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's All do right. something stupid. All right. Cheers. Excellent. Cheers. So our stupid <laughs> thing for today is going to be instead of just reading off the list of state based actions, because like we can read through the state based action list. It's in rule uh, CR 704.5 and then all the letters going down but we're gonna have some fun with it we're going to find how we really feel about these state-based actions not something I thought I'd be talking about but (laughs) we're actually going to be doing a tier ranking of all of the state-based actions now we have a very scientific approach to this. And by very scientific, scientific I mean stupid with two O's system. <laughs> it's just made up. For how we're going to rank all of these. Think of like all of these limited set reviews that you see on all these other podcasts. No, no, no. We're doing rules reviews today. And here's how we're going to rank them. So like any tier ranking system, for some reason, S comes first. S tier, superior, clearly the best all-time great state-based action one of the best we love it we love what it does we love how it works and chef's kiss and let's and let's be clear these state-based actions these are the these state-based actions are things that the game doesn't work without them now that doesn't mean you can't change the rules so that they could be something else instead but the game that we know doesn't work without these state-based actions being actual state-based actions so the whole like doesn't do a lot or does a lot kind of they're they're all important you know every every state-based action is special in its own way you know um (laughs) that's a true statement they all work they all do some form of lifting just not all of them do heavy lifting (laughs) they all need to be there but we have subjective viewpoints some of them we have opinions and we're going to express them today. Yeah. Because we haven't done that enough recently. No. <laughs> no. Oh. No. <laughs> and, and all podcasts, whenever they do a tier list or a ranking or something like that, they always seem to add a disclaimer of, these are just our opinions. If if your opinions differ, that's okay. Um, I'm going to say no. If you have an opinion that differs from our opinion on our stupid ranking system of state-based <laughs> actions, you're objectively wrong, and you should just deal with it. Gentle listener, be if, if, if you happen to feel this way, feel free to write us at judgecast at gmail.com and make sure you say, Dear Brian, as your header. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or just simmer in anger. 
Because you think that uh, a copy of a spell in a zone, uh, how dare we rank that D tier when you think it's clearly A tier. You need to just sit and simmer and think about what you've done. (laughs) So jumping through the rest, and of course these are all just arbitrarily laid out, but let's say A tier is... Really solid state-based action. This isn't quite S-tier. It's not like, oh man, this has touched the core of our hearts. But it's better than a lot of the rest that's left. It's just very good all-arounder. B-tier, we're like, alright, solid. You're here. You do the thing. You're. We can see where you really mechanically fit in. And yeah, we're, we're, there's nothing offensive about you at that point. <laughs> Offensive state-based action. Love it. Oh, yeah. Well, you can't, you can't there may be serious. an offensive state-based action or two in here. I know you'll have a couple of state-based actions you feel are really offensive. So we'll oh, get yeah. there. Don't worry. Uh, yeah. But now we're getting down into the bottom half. Now we're talking C tier. This is passable. This is, okay, we recognize you have a purpose, but we don't love it and we barely even like it. Like... Yeah, okay, you're here, just join in, but, you know, we're not going out of... Like, if you weren't here, we, we might not notice. That's it's it's, it's it's the 23rd card in your limited deck, you know? It's, it's, yes. <laughs> it's there yes, because not it needs first to pick. be, but, but we're not... Last we, we, pick we would SBAs. gladly replace it if we found something slightly better. <laughs> yes. And then we have our D tiers, and D tiers is, I mean, let's face it, we have to have this one, but like, really, who wants to have this? Who, who, this does not, this state-based action doesn't bring me joy, really. Um, it does not spark joy? It does not spark joy, it does not, <laughs> like, does not spark me joy. Uh, okay, just, just go away where I don't have to look at you. And F tier is... No, I don't even want you to go away and hide somewhere. Just just get out of here. This is a failure of a state-based action. It's obnoxious. It's confusing. It has too many words for our interpretations. It could be easily confused with a trigger. It's just clunky. And yes, you're structurally here, but you're like that weird corner in a house that like for some reason you have an alcove that's 20 <laughs> feet up in the air by a window and you're like, "Who the hell's actually going to use that?" But I guess you're there. But Gross. Gross. Clear All enough, everybody. Is just, it just collects dust, and someone's going to have to clean that eventually, but it's really hard <laughs> to get to. All yes. Right. Yes. Okay. These are our tier rankings. All get right. ready, everybody. All right. What's what's our first? There's, there are a gajillion state-based actions now. Yes. Yeah. We may or may not provide commentary on these. We might just be like, we all know this is great, or we like, all know this is there used to be a single list, but in order to for them to not run out of letters in the alphabet, they had to break them up into uh, variants of like multiplayer games and then all the ones in a regular game because they started adding just so many weird things with like battles and dungeons and all that other nonsense. Yeah. Spo- I might be spoiling how I feel about certain <laughs> state-based actions a little already. All right, let's get going. What's the first state-based action? If a player has zero or less life, that player loses the game. All right, let's go around the table. What do we think? Uh, I absolutely think this is a this is a B at best. <laughs> a, B. a B at best. A B. 
I mean, it's functional, it works, it's great, but I mean, there's so many more clever ways to drum a player out of a game. Mm. Oh, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> this is, this is S tier. This is, this is God tier. Oh, this is S tier. Yeah. Cause especially as judges, cause we want to go home. Well, like we want games to end <laughs> and this okay. is the ultimate game ender. Okay. I, I can. Is... All right. Yeah, like, I'll go. I'll, like, I'll, I'll I'll go B plus. Yeah, let's let me just ask you this: How many times have you been sitting there during an untimed top eight, just watching like the cons block Abzan mirror where they just got siege rhinos bouncing off each other, and you're just like, oh, I wish one of them would just die already. You want so like this one, very very clean player death, S tier. Right. Agreed. S tier does the thing. I've been no outvoted, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that back. I'm gonna take that back. I am going to actually downgrade this to a a tier because I think the next one is S tier. Uh, <laughs> but I want I want to point out I want to point out so state based actions are not checked during the resolution of a spell. So it is possible inside of a spell for you to drop to zero life and then to gain life back. Such that when state-based actions are checked, you are not at zero life. Okay? True. We check state-based. We do not, unlike continuous effects where we do check in the middle and we're looking for triggered events, you know, possibly in the middle of resolving a spell. State-based actions are only checked before a player gets priority. All right. So I say A tier. Okay. You say B plus. Marcos, what'd you say? I'm sticking with S tier. It's the classic. It's it's the state-based action that defines state-based actions. It, it is. Okay. The second one, this one is my S tier, and I will make an argument for it. If a player attempted to draw a card from a library with no cards in it since the last time state-based actions were checked, that player loses the game. And the reason why I say this one is S tier, this is the whole, you go to draw and you got no cards left in your library, you're dead. And the reason why I say this is S tier is... When you do have that Abzan mirror match and the players have just four fives bouncing off of each other, this this state-based action gets you out of games that no other state-based action can get you out of. I can tell you that as a player and sitting across the table in any limited matchup and being able to actually mill out my opponent, it is the most wonderful feeling in the world (laughs) when that happens that is just it's just amazing so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna definitely go s tier on this as well Uh, no other notes rounded out perfect s tier for a silver lining from an empty library s s is for silver lining no matter how miserable (laughs) your game is it will end platinum angels but it is going to end because of this state-based action. There is an end in sight. Yep. All right. So this one I'll point out as one of my favorites. And it might actually... It's going to cover two state-based actions because it has a multiplayer and two-headed giant variant. But uh, 7045C, if a player has 10 or more poison counters, that player loses the game. Now, this rule says, ignore this rule in two-headed giant games. See rule 704.6b instead. 
which is basically the same thing except in two-headed giant game if a team has 15 or more poison counters that team loses the game so same thing dying to being infected poisoned out this is probably my actual favorite of all of these because i do love how infect is just like you can't get rid of it leeches is not a real card but you can't get rid of poison counters it's just always there always looming waiting for you to just get got by that last poison counter absolutely love this one s tier for me wow charles uh, <laughs> i don't now nor have i ever loved poison counters <laughs> so 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 that's going to shade this just a little bit um but sure. i think it's honestly a d <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah i i don't i don't love them i don't love them i don't love them for a couple of reasons the most basic reason is is because i think the game doesn't necessarily need them sure it's cool it's clever it's an additional way to to end a game but it does the game really need poison counters um no the other part of it is is i don't love the discourse about them and it always grates my teeth Mm. a little bit you know, the, whenever people get up on poison counters, there's always an argument to be made um, between people, and I, I don't, I don't love it. Yeah. I mean, we're civil; we can agree to disagree here, but we're kind of Absolutely. representing that discourse here ourselves. So, oh, this is F tier. I'm going, I'm going <laughs> terrible. Oh, 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 oh. And this, this right here. Oh yeah. And here, and here's my argument: wise. First off, no one thinks you're cool because you're playing poison counters. Second of all, this is the only state-based action that actively tells you to ignore it in some cases. Okay? It literally says, ignore this rule in two-headed giant. Use this other rule instead. No other state-based action tells you to ignore it. Why tell me to ignore it in some cases? Why not just ignore it in all cases? However, if you are going to ignore it, let's ignore it in the format where it actually does matter more than two-headed giant. Commander, come on. 7045C get your crap together and deal with the format that people actually play. I mean, yeah, I know they play two at a giant, but we're being a little confrontative, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. No, this is this is the the right. stupid commentary. I love it. Right. I'm being purposefully confrontational because this is F tier. Again, what what are you doing? All right. What are you, you doing? You can be wrong. All right. All right. I mean, I the, could just, be, let's but just I'm make not. sure that when we get to uh, 704.6b that he's consistent that's all all right so the next one is the next one pains me personally the next one is if a token is in a zone other than the battlefield it ceases to exist so the game needs a way to clean up tokens that uh find their way to a player's hand because they can't be cast from the hand uh that find their way to the library or find their way to exile and so forth and the game deals with it by simply getting rid of them. Now, on a functional level, I think this is very high up there. I think it's an A tier, no doubt about it. The The judge part of me really likes the elegance and the simplicity of getting rid of a token. The player part of me who plays Krenko on the regular, <laughs> well, I think you know what I'm going to say. So, uh, Brian, what do you think of this? I think this is a B tier. Uh, it does a lot of it does a lot of heavy lifting, and I like uh, when players ask me questions. I get to explain that the token goes poof, and right. so getting getting able being able to work the word poof into an actual judge call, I appreciate that. 
And it does actually, you know, resolve things like, what happens if I get a, you know, uh, token back into my hand or exile or, you know, don't be clever with your, I got a panglacial worm token in my... <laughs> the only thing that keeps it from A is it doesn't stop all those silly questions about, like, where people try and get panglacial worm tokens in their library and cast them in the middle of resolving a spell. You know, derp, derp, Oof. whatever. That's what keeps it out of A. Marcus? I'm going to mark this one an A for myself. Um, I think the the fun poof factor, I guess, if you will, is the thing that bumps it up to an A. I think it's like actually more solidly like a B, like it does a good job of what it needs to do. It shows that tokens do go to other places, which is important for certain decks and certain mechanics. So that is really helpful. But that extra little fun of just throwing in the little poof in there and having it just like click with a player when you're explaining it. Uh, that bumps it up to an A for me. Yep. All right, so next one. Yep. If a copy of a spell is in a zone other than a stack, it ceases to exist. If a copy of a card is in a zone, any other zone other than the stack or the battlefield, it ceases to exist. This is basically similar to the token rule. It's just uh, for copies of spells or cards. Okay. Um, now, what's interesting about this is, is we actually, a lot of times spells that say like you get to cast a copy of the, of this card, you're actually creating that, that copy in exile and casting from exile, unless the rules say, unless the card text specifies otherwise, that's where it's being created. So if something creates the copy and then prevents you from casting it, well, that copy is just sitting in exile and this thing is what causes that copy to um, go poof. <laughs> I'm going to call this C tier because even though I get to say poof, doesn't come up a whole whole lot, and it's a lot wordy and a lot less elegant than just a token being in a zone other than the battlefield. Got to do a little more work on this to make this one happen, but you still get to say poof. You do. That goes. Thoughts? That goes a certain amount of way. I I think it. I agree with you. C tier. Everything you said is 100 correct, and it doesn't come up nearly as often. Copying spells is relatively, or rather copying cards and permanent spells on the stack is relatively new. It's always felt a little clunky to me. I don't know why it makes total sense. Like when you look at it objectively, it does the thing, but just feels a little hand wavy. I don't know. So yeah, like that if you copy, makes it see if, if you counter a copy of a spell, that copy is going to go to the graveyard and then it's, it's got to disappear, right? It's got to go yeah. away. Yeah, I'm going to rank this one a B. Um, my logic lines follow the same as as both of yours. But the one thing that I'm going to give it the upgrade on is is it keeps Johnny's from being Johnny. You know, if you want to break the game, go ahead. Please be my guest. To do your best. Um, but this is the kind of state-based action that prevents you from breaking it really, really bad. Um, and for that, I, I have to at least give it a, a an upgrade on the on the tier ranking there. All right. So next up, we have seven hundred four point five F. If a creature has toughness zero or less, it's put into the owner's graveyard. Regeneration can't replace this effect. I really like this one. I don't know why, but something was very satisfying to me to go. Oh, tragic slip! You're indestructible. Ten ten. Just love it. So I'm going to give this probably an A tier. It's not S tier, but it's definitely very high up there. Charles? 
A is strong. I like A. Um, regeneration not being able to replace this event is an important part of this particular state-based action um, that we need to remind players of with every uh, release notes episode at some point in time uh, if regeneration is a part of it. So I like it. Yeah, definitely an A. I'm going to say a B. And here's why. <laughs> I have I have an indestructible creature. This is going to deal with indestructible creatures. I can't destroy it. I can't kill it with damage. I can't terror it, you know, or anything like that. I, I got to reduce its toughness to zero. That's the weakness of indestructible creatures. But they're in friggin' destructible, right? Why <laughs> create this Achilles heel? Why should my Darksteel Colossus have an Achilles heel? You know, you're like, oh, well, you know, if they didn't have it, they'd be too powerful. Whatever. This is just weakening wonderfully powerful creatures. Wizards, you did a good thing with indestructible creatures. Why you gotta, you gotta do this to them? <laughs> Why? Is it, is it because, you know, like the programming, like the, the, the developers just can't handle the whole zero toughness thing? They're, they get like a null pointer exception and flip out. Is that what it is? <laughs> is that the real reason? Sounds like a coding problem to me. You know, you just... You know, just handle your nulls better, and then you don't need the state-based action. Handle your nulls better. <laughs> handle your nulls better, wizards. <laughs> oh, the shade. <laughs> right. Love it. Oh, my. <laughs> okay. So uh, the next one is 704.5G, and it states, If a creature has toughness greater than zero, it has damage marked on it, and the total damage marked on it is greater than or equal to its toughness, that creature has been dealt lethal damage and is destroyed. Regeneration can replace this effect. This one is S-tier. I will hear no arguments about it. It is the reason for the statement, um, and there are two variations of it, either damage doesn't kill creatures, SBAs do, or lightning bolts don't kill creatures, state-based actions do, uh, whichever your particular love of this particular interpretation is um it's an s for me uh, i can't see it as any other way yep s tier same reason yeah i think s tier uh magic is a game about smashing your creatures into other creatures and if none of them ever went away the game would get bogged down pretty quick so creatures have to have to die in order to uh get to some of the other uh, state-based actions that we talked about where a player has zero or less life. You know, we got to get through those creatures, and the way to get through them is to just run over, squish them, kill them. This is what takes care of it. Yep. Um, so let's let's just talk. Regeneration can replace this event. Okay, so this is, this is one of the few state-based actions that can explicitly be replaced. Okay, we don't necessarily have any any cards that say if a token would go into a zone other than the battlefield, it ceases to exist. Something, you know, here's a situation that can replace that particular thing. Um, regeneration is a keyword that is used frequently. And what happens there is the state-based action just doesn't happen. The regeneration replaces the event at the same time that the state-based action was going to be performed. All right. Cool, cool. Okay, if a creature has toughness greater than zero, okay, you notice we did if a creature has a toughness of zero or less, we did that one, then we had another one that said 
if a creature has toughness greater than zero and blah, 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 damage marked on it and damage marked on it, toughness, whatever. This one is, if a creature has toughness greater than zero and it's been dealt damage by a source with death touch since the last time state-based actions were checked, that creature is destroyed. Regeneration can replace this event. I'm going to say this is C tier. Okay. And and the, here's here's my reason why. Is... <laughs> is while it seems like it kills creatures, and I made this whole argument about, hey, creatures have got to die, this is this is the thing. It says, it's got this weird, and it's been dealt damage by a source with death touch since the last time state-based actions were checked. That creature's destroyed. And that's, you might be wondering, huh, what, what's that mean? What that means is, I ping you... Like, uh, let's say I have a prodigal sorcerer or pyromancer, something that does like a single point of damage, and I give it a piece of equipment that gives it death touch. And I ping, Marcos, what's your favorite big giant creature? Primeval Titan. Primeval Titan. All right. Banned in Commander. But, yeah. you know, that's that's where you would put death touch on prodigal sorcerers, like the only thing. That is true. You're not doing, House rules. You're not, doing, you're not doing that in Pioneer. Okay. But... <laughs> I ping that great, uh, not Grave Titan, the uh, the Primeval Titan. It now has a single point of damage marked on it with Death Touch. Okay. Now, this, this right here says, okay, I'm going to check my damage right now. And that the fact that that point of damage has Death Touch only matters the next time we do state-based actions. And then after that time, if it's still alive somehow, some way, then I don't keep looking and saying like, Oh, it's still got it's still got one on it. It's still got one on it. It's still got one on it, and this creates like weird situations where if somehow a um, a creature has an enchantment on it that gives it indestructibility, it gives it indestructible. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I ping it with the one point of damage for death touch. Okay, it doesn't die because it's got the enchantment on it that gives it indestructible, right? Mm-hmm. And then later that enchantment gets disenchanted. Because I already checked and tried to destroy it back, the game doesn't go like, oh, well, well, now it's no longer indestructible, so now I'm going to reevaluate. Wait. You know? Really? It, it I never, doesn't. I never put that together. But, wow. Okay, that like, affects my rating for sure. I mean, does that make it better or worse? Oh, worse. Oh, yeah, so the death. So if I ping something with death touch and the creature's got an enchantment on it that makes it indestructible, okay, we're going mm-hmm. to evaluate the death touch. It's going to go. Oh, I should try and destroy the the creature, but I can't because it's indestructible. And then it just doesn't check it any. It doesn't try and destroy it any any else. So if it loses indestructibility because the enchantment oh. gets removed, it's not going to die or go away or anything. No, because it's only if it's been dealt the damage since the last time it's been checked, not whether it still has a point of damage with death touch marked on it. Yeah, I mean, you could you you but could make the an argument has death touch, but yeah, because the damage can't have yeah. death touch. It's it's from a source, so sure, I guess I can sure, see sure. why. But that's real. That's corner Casey right there. It's it's kind of a memory case. Death. What death touch used to be was it used to um it used to be a triggered ability. Death touch mm. used to be when a creature is dealt damage by a creature with death touch, destroy it. Okay. Mm. Um, and then they changed it to be uh, a state based action because it was it actually ended up being a little weird that um, you might have to regenerate a creature twice because 
okay, so let's say I have a 2-2 creature with Death Touch run into a Bear Cub, which is a 2-2 creature. I would actually have to, if I wanted to keep my Bear Cub, I would actually have to regenerate it twice. (laughs) You would. Once because because it was a 2-2 and it got two damage marked on it, and then once again because the Death Touch trigger tried to kill it after the fact. So they just simplified it and made it into a state-based action. All right, that's a new interesting way for people to kill creatures in Commander in ways that are really weird. Enjoy yourselves. I'm going to call this one, like, D-tier probably. Like, it does the thing, but that's gross. I don't. I can see why it's that way because, like I said, the damage that's marked on it can't have Death Touch, so it has to see that it came from a source with Death Touch, and it can't go that further back to look at that, so it's just going to check now. But yeah, that ew, that feels icky. I don't like that. <laughs> Even though it makes overall sense, it feels a little gross. All right. Charles? Charles? Yeah, I'm in full agreement with both of you. B. <laughs> <laughs> Good oh, answer. I forgot. I forgot. Seriously. What did I say? What did I say? It was a C. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. So I said C. Marco said D, and you're in full agreement and give it a B. <laughs> give it a B. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I love I, it. I, look, I understand where everybody's coming from, but here's the thing: you can't expect players to keep track of whether or not they've got their triggers going off correctly, let alone whether or not death touch happened half a turn ago. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't want it to be overly complicated. Death touch happens or it doesn't. And I think it's well written from that regard. So I'm going to give it a B. It's a solid. It's a solid thing. Okay. All right. Yeah, but the ick factor for me. But I, I get it. I get it. But but you know <laughs> we we have arena only cards that can do weird and strange things and would be terrible if implemented in paper. Could you imagine mm. the converse of this? If you actually could kill the thing later in the turn because it was hit with death touch during combat. I don't know. Oh, I. I, I, I like that it's yeah. simple. Okay, well, now you're making me... It's kind of convoluted to lose Indestructible in the middle of a turn. Like, typically the things that give it Indestructible are abilities that wear off at the end of turn. Dress sure. down. Yeah. Sure. I just, don't, I just don't want players to have to think that hard about what Death Touch is doing. Yeah. All yeah. right. Speaking of not thinking hard... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one's pretty not straightforward, I guess. If a planeswalker has loyalty zero, it's put into its owner's graveyard. I feel like I just want to give this like a C because it's just like so simple, so straightforward, but it's not flashy. It doesn't feel like cornerstoney. It's just like, yeah, you're doing the job, like move along. And and they often do it to themselves or they do it through some straightforward combat. So there's nothing really fancy about it, right? For the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Although interesting, by the way this is written, it says if a planeswalker has loyalty zero, it's put into its owner's graveyard. Doesn't say anything about if it has loyalty minus. Uh, well, remember you can't have minus, minus loyalty. loyalty. You can't have less than zero Doesn't loyalty exist. counters. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. You're just removing the counters that are on it. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Thought I was. I thought I found something there. Yeah, I'm gonna give this an A because it fooled Marcos. <laughs> there you go. That's yeah. a good one. Also, nothing makes me smile more than a stupid planeswalker going in the graveyard. Awesome. So thumbs up there. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay. So here we go. We've we've got the oh, we we've come on. yeah. 
I do want to mention one other thing about Planeswalkers since this is a state-based action. Sure. Okay. With Planeswalkers, remember that removing loyalty counters is part of the cost of abilities or adding loyalty counters. So mm-hmm. what will actually happen is, let's say you've got a Planeswalker with a minus three ability and it's got three loyalty counters on it. As part of activating the ability, you'll remove the three counters, put the ability on the stack, and then before the ability resolves, that Planeswalker is going to be in the graveyard. Yes. Okay. Because the it has to resolve, or, or the, the state-based actions are checked before a player would get priority, and players get priority after abilities are put on the stack. Mm-hmm. But um bump so. Sure, sure. Yeah, just trying to get a, had a, a little bit more context to some of these state-based actions rather than just... You know, I think it's a D, boy. (laughs) Oh, wow. Here we go. If two or more legendary permanents with the same name are controlled by the same player, that player chooses one of them, and the rest are put into their owner's graveyards. This is called the legend rule. I think it's a D, boy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Show your work. Show my work. I don't like the legend rule the way that it's currently written. I just don't. Yeah. I think I think the legend rule should be players are allowed one legend of the named character in their deck. I I, mm. I don't think I, I think I don't think it should be a state based action. I should I think it should be a deck building restriction. Um hmm. Oh, like way back in the day, you're going old school. Yeah, I'm going old school. I think that's old reasonable. Man at clouds. Yep. Yep. Okay. That, that's where I come from on this. Um, as it is the way that it's written, it's fine, but it's not, it's not exciting. And it's confusing because you can also end up with a board state where you have eight different Chandras on the board at the same time. Yeah. They, they just have to be, one has to be Chandra Nalar, one has to be Chandra Bringer of Fire or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. you can, you can have eight different of the same Planeswalker types um okay. with different names and I don't so you're you're back in my day Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, have... I'm a little I'm a little crotchy on this one. I'm sorry, right, but that's that's right. where I come from. Okay. It. So I'm a D. Okay. Solid D. Marcos, what you got? Uh straight F. Straight F. Straight um, F. <laughs> yep. And and for similar crotchety reasons. So for me, it's the concept of how the legend rule has changed and even just like the past 10 years of me playing magic i've seen it change quite a few times and even hearing stories of like oh yeah back in the day i had to play one of or play a set of these legendary creatures because my opponent would play this legendary and if i put a legendary of the same name on my side they would both go away and that was gross and basically just so many different iterations of the legend rule make it feel like inconsistent and i'm just talking historically like yeah the rule does the thing it it manages the battlefield well fine but i agree that when when this rule first came about i was actually like oh man i get to play a gideon tribal deck and so i jammed like five or six gideons but like that's ridiculous i don't want five or six gideons on the battlefield just like give me a legendary thing to be special why'd you put them in your deck if you didn't want five on the battlefield well, because I did want five on the battlefield because Ally of Zendikar was one of them. Well, there you go. So you did <laughs> want five on the battlefield. Yeah, but just of the same so, one, which this doesn't so let this me do anyway. Be, so 
This rule should have be to. terrible because it didn't let you do what you wanted to do. All right. It never lets me do what I want to do. Plus, they <laughs> ignore it half the time because if you look at the new Doctor Who decks, half of them say clone something, but if it was legendary, well, now the clone one is not. So Now that you have just to. stumbled on what I don't like about this is mm. the legend rule was set up so that you could... Legends, you get one. You got one on the battlefield. You know, there can be only one. All right, and they've modified it so it's like, oh... The legend, if two or more legendary permanents have the same name, but but you could have permanents with the same name and one of them legendary and one of them not because Wizards has to, you know, find a way to make commanders more special or copyable or, you know, basically try and remove the only downside. I'm going to say C because it does... It does do some stuff. It does help make Legends special, but then they kind of tweaked it and carved out a section where you can actually have two or three or four permanents with that are copies of a legendary creature. But because they got this clause in there that says they're not legendary, you can have them and get around the inherent downside of copying Legends. Boo. <laughs> Boo. Boo. All right. Can I do the next one? Yeah. I don't know if it's my yeah, turn. Yeah, I think it, it is your turn. Go for it. All right. If two or more permanents have the super type world, all except the one that has had the world super type for the shortest amount of time are put into their owner's graveyard. In the event of a tie for the shortest amount of time, all are put in the graveyard. This is called the world rule. So back in the day, in the old days, <laughs> in the olden, olden days... There were these world enchantments. Uh, they were called Enchant World. That was what was on the card text. Now they just have a super type called World. And the whole idea was it's kind of similar in a sense to Plane Chase. It was an enchantment that represented the fact that you were in a particular location. So if someone else cast a world enchantment, the first, the OG world enchantment would go away. And the New World enchantment would be where it's at. Okay. It's very, very old. But it's kind of confusing. And it doesn't really come up outside of of Legacy and like a very few Commander games. If you somehow have two enchant World enchantments hit the battlefield at the exact same time. So, so that they have the same timestamp. They all go poof. I'm just going to give it a C because it's it exists... It never comes up. It's kind of got some nostalgia associated with it. But in reality, it's just kind of like a state-based action that hipsters bring up when they want to be, you know, I knew about the world, uh, the world rule before it was cool kind of kind of thing. It's vintage. That's the state-based. Yes, it's a vintage state-based action. There you go. I'm going to say D on that one. Uh, for all the same reasons you just said and the reason that says... I don't I really don't like this sentence all except the one that has had the world super type for the shortest amount of time at like are they thinking I can just throw the world super type on a another thing randomly willy-nilly that wording I'm not a huge fan of it just seems a little extra confusing but it does it's a fine thing so see uh I'm gonna go see because this is the 23rdest card of the 23rdest card uh, it, it's it's it exists it's there um but i don't i don't know that i've ever had a chance to come across it 
if it never showed up, um, I would not be surprised. Um, I'd, I'd like to see more world enchantments float around. Um, but until such a time as that happens, see. They're, they're called plane chase cards. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're getting we're getting some right we're they're they're in we the, already got them in yeah. the Doctor Doctor Who, Who and the okay. and the and the previous set that had them we, we've wanna, got a whole bunch of new ones yeah. this year I want to just a brief a brief aside whoever made that Commander Timey Wimey Doctor Who deck needs oh to just needs to be sat down and had a talk have a talk to well I think you I think you start there with Gavin Verhey and I don't think he's listening yeah. Uh, he, he needs to just explain he's, him. He's the he's the Doctor Who guy. It's he would be my first contact. It's his thing. Every card, every single card has a paragraph of text, and so I played a commander game this weekend where the player to my right was a was a Doctor Who fan that had been out of magic for about eight years, and they came back with the timey wimey deck. Hmm. That feels and like a I mistake. Was just, and I'm playing a playing a game of commander in this in this random pod with a new returning player where you want to be nice to him and stuff like that. But like I wanted to gnaw my leg off like a wolf in a trap. Like just <laughs> oh, like to get away from this because I was just the amount of the amount of text was just overwhelming. And what yeah. I found, even though there were players that might have been having fun with it, what I observed both in my own games and watching people play was people would just look over there and see such a huge wall of text that they would just ignore that player. Yes, I've been there. Agreed. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So anyway, that's all, all right, I got to say up, that. We have M. If an aura is attached to an illegal object or player, or is not attached to an object or a player, that aura is put into its owner's graveyard. A tier. Does literally the job of cleaning up the battlefield after things happen. Love it. I am in full agreement. I, I And no notes. I think it's fine. A, a tier is great. Yep. 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 I, I also say A tier because in my mind, this is... Um, kind of the the whole like uh the old roadrunner wily coyote cartoons where wily coyote like runs off a cliff and he's <laughs> running in midair for just a period of time and then realizes that there's nothing beneath him and then holds up the little sign that says like uh-oh and then disappears that's yep. what this is because if you think about the mechanics <laughs> so if i've got an enchantment if i've got an enchantment uh, a creature with an enchantment on it and you destroy the creature mechanically what we do is we just pick both cards up and put in the graveyard but what actually happens is the creature's destroyed so it goes to the graveyard and then that enchantment's just kind of hanging out there in midair for a split second and then this state-based action kicks in and puts it in the yard also where it says if the aura is attached to a illegal object or player okay so if i have a enchantment that says like enchant green creature and that creature stops being green or if i says i have something that says enchant artifact and it stops being uh, an artifact then those enchantments are going to fall off i don't know if you've noticed but some of the some of the new enchantments uh will say mm -hmm. something like enchant creature or vehicle 
and then yep. it'll say enchanted uh enchanted creature is a vehicle or something along those lines or enchanted permanent is a vehicle mm-hmm. so the reason why they say enchant creature or vehicle is because and and it changes it is you're going to put it on a creature but if it said enchant creature and then said enchanted creature is a vehicle then the enchantment would fall off right away <laughs> cuz it would turn it yeah. it would turn it from a creature into a vehicle and then i have a vehicle with an enchant creature aura on it which would be yeah. illegal and it would fall off i appreciate womp, that womp. clever templating for sure yes brilliant so we have uh the next one which is if an equipment or fortification is attached to an illegal permanent or to a player it becomes unattached from that permanent or player it remains on the battlefield uh this is auras for equipment or equipment for auras or whatever we want to do it's the wily coyote part two um it it does a very clean action. It makes sure that equipments are not attached illegally to something that they should not be attached to. Uh, same with fortifications, although we don't run across too many fortifications these days. Fortifications are almost uh, the same status of, of worlds. So I give this an A. I'm going to yeah. give it an F. 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 F is for fortification. <laughs> yep, don't yep. make me think about it. Yep. I hate fortifications and all mention to them. And this is the fortifications is the reason why whenever I try and describe protection using the acronym DEBT, D-E-B-T, damage, um, uh, enchanting equipment, blocking and targeting, someone's always going to say, what about, be, what, about, what about fortifications? Right. <laughs> so anything involving fortifications, <laughs> F. Stupid. Stupid fortifications. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go on the flip side. I'm going to go A tier specifically because they grouped together equipment and fortification and didn't bother to go like, this is one for equipment. And the next one is the exact same line of text, just with fortification replacing the word equipment. They grouped them together. So I'll give them a plus up for that. So A on that. All right. If you notice, Mm -hmm. we've gone H, I, J, K, and we skipped an L. And we went to M, N, and then we're skipping an O and going straight to P because Watsy is cowards. They don't want their <laughs> O's confused with zeros or their L's confused with ones. And that does not bode well for this 7045P, which says if a battle or creature is attached to an object or player, it becomes unattached and remains on the battlefield. Similarly, if any non-battle, non-creature permanent that's neither an aura nor an equipment nor a fortification is attached to an object or player, it becomes unattached and remains on the battlefield. What? I flat out want to give this an S rating for single because it reminds me of what would happen to... Uh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> I'm terrible. Uh, this reads like legal language, and I don't love it because of that, but it's doing stuff that's useful. What do you think, Brian? Well, they what, all what do stuff this? that's useful. What What is this to you? What is this? I, I mean, like, to, to clarify, to clarify, it's, all right, if if somehow a, if a permanent becomes a battle or a creature due to shenanigans, 
Okay, so an aura or an equipment is sitting on there and somehow it becomes a battle or a creature. It falls off. Okay, it becomes unattached. And then similar, uh, but it remains on the battlefield. Uh, similarly, if a non-battle, non-creature permanent that's neither an aura, equipment, nor a fortification is attached to an object or player, it becomes unattached and remains on the battlefield. So it's kind of the same thing. So basically what this is trying to say is, in a bunch of fancy words, is battles and creatures can't be attached to things, okay? Also, things that aren't auras, equipments, or fortifications also can't be attached to things, okay? That's, that's mostly what it's saying. And you might stop and think and say, well, didn't Brian just say the exact same thing twice? And the answer is, yeah, kind of. Um, the difference is taking, taking the approach from different directions just to make sure that all bases are covered. All right. And so I'm going to give this, I would give it a B, but because it's really wordy and really weird that it's like, similarly, if any non-battle, non-creature permanent, that's neither an or that's too many non <laughs> nons and nothers. I'm non. Um, so I, I'm going to give it a D just for legibility readability i agree doing the same thing it it's trying not to repeat itself so it's not an f because it's not splitting itself into two of them like we've seen in other times but man that that's hard to grok so d i give this a firm aj it's anti-johnny that's it oh mm. <laughs> <laughs> appeals judge it keeps it keeps johnny's from doing johnny things and for that i'm thankful Okay. All right. So next up, 704.5Q. If a permanent has both a plus one, plus one counter and a minus one, minus one counter on it, N plus one, plus one, and N minus one, minus one counters are removed from it, where N is the smaller of the number of plus one, plus one, and minus one, minus one counters on it. Okay, as much as that looks like a math problem from high school algebra, I love this rule because of the decks it enables, because of the splody things that happen with plus one, plus one, and minus one, minus one counters. So despite that it is literally a math problem defining the quality of N to us, I still want to give it an A. It would be S if it weren't for the math problem that just gets thrown in there, but otherwise, solid rule. Decks have been built around the fact that minus one, minus one, and plus one, plus one counters destroy each other, obliterate each other, or as Brian likes to say, it goes all splody. So, love it. Matter and antimatter. Yes. What do you all think? I'm pretty firmly in the B plus, A minus category. I could be argued either way. It's great from the perspective of keeping the board state clean. So far... From that point of view, I think I'm just going to lean into it and give it an A. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give it a C, and the reason Ooh. being is, yeah, and the reason why I'm giving it a C is because this right here, literally, when we talked about all these other state-based actions actually do something, this one doesn't. This state-based action could actually be removed, and more or less the game would play the exact same way. Like, I realize that there's some decks that kind of use this thing, but for mm -hmm. the most part, for the most part, people are doing the math in their heads already that this entails. Mm. 
Yeah, right? you have a good point. It this it could cease to exist and some stuff would be the same, some stuff would be a little bit different, but uh the basic use of like, you know, creature combat and stuff like that would behave the same. Hmm. Now I'm hmm. sticking with my answer, but yeah. I can't argue that in spirit. Good argument. Okay. All right. Next up. So the next one is, is if a permanent with an ability that says it can't have more than N counters of a certain kind on it has more than N counters of that kind on it, all but N of those counters are removed from it. Uh, I believe <laughs> this is mostly dealing with sagas, but I think it's stated as a permanent in general just so that it covers all oh, of its bases. Oh, no. No? No? What is this for? No. Oh, what do I not know? Burn. What am I missing? Uh, I don't remember the name of the card, but I do know that a very old card, one of, one of like the first few expansions, had a limit of how many types of counters you could put on it. And if I recall correctly, the state-based action is a remnant of just saying, like, this is saying you cannot have them. So if by some shenanigans you manage to get more of them on here, no. Yeah. Is, Rasputin Dreamweaver. Is yes. it? Is it because of one card? Yes. Yeah. It's because Rasputin of one card? F. Uh, F. We could also, just out of the card and get rid of the thing. F. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. here. Rasputin Dreamweaver is a 4-1 creature for 6 mana that says Rasputin Dreamweaver enters the battlefield with 7 dream counters on it. Remove a dream counter from Rasputin to add a colorless. Remove a dream counter from Rasputin to prevent uh, and prevent the next 1 damage that would be dealt to Rasputin this turn. At the beginning of your upkeep, if Rasputin started the turn untapped, Put a dream counter on it. Rasputin can't have more than seven dream counters on it. So if you get a counter on it, if you get more counters on it than seven, then you go down to seven. Big womp number. womp. Uh, so like if you've got Rasputin and play a doubling season, you go up to 14 and then you go down to seven. Woot. I- I'm agreeing with Charles on this one. This is F tier because they could just make an errata and take an entire rule out and make the CR just a little bit smaller. Yep. All right. Uh, the next one is, if the number of lore counters on a saga permanent is greater than or equal to the final chapter number, and it isn't the source of a chapter ability that has a triggered that has triggered but not yet left the stack, that saga's controller sacrifices it. Ugh. All right, we're gonna explain <laughs> this for just a second. So, let's say I have a saga with three chapter abilities. Okay. So if the number of lore counters on a saga permanent is greater than or equal to the final chapter. Okay, so if I have three or more uh, uh, lore counters on it. Okay. Um, and it isn't the source of a chapter ability that has triggered and not yet left the stack. So let's, uh, um, you know, when you go up to chapter three, you get to tutor for a land. Okay, sure. Sure. The this wording right here is even though you went up to three. Remember when I was talking about planeswalkers and I said when you when you remove the loyalty counters, you're actually going to sacrifice the um, the planeswalker before the ability resolves, right? Mm-hmm. This is actually the triggered ability. The tutor for a land is going to go on the stack, and you're going to keep the saga until that triggered ability leaves the stack 
then the saga is is sacrificed okay which allows weird things or players might say cute things where the ability is on the stack and before it leaves the stack they do something to get rid of the counters like make it go back down from three to two or one so that they can reuse it again also Mm -hmm. this is one of the situations where like the this is the thing that this is the rule that comes into play with blood moon and urza saga oh yeah okay Right, because Blood Moon, so Urza Saga is a la- is a land saga. Okay, it's got three chapter abilities. Blood Moon removes all abilities, including chapter abilities, from Urza Saga. So suddenly, I have how many chapter abilities do I have on on my Urza Saga? Big fat zero. 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 So if I have zero or more chapter abilities on my Urza. On my Urza Saga, it's gonna go to the graveyard. So, personally, I find this state-based action kind of confusing. The whole, you know, and it isn't the source of a chapter ability that has triggered but not yet left the stack. Kind of obnoxious, kind of confusing. A little, little obnoxious. I think they could have worded it a little bit differently. But it does make me happy when all the players make the sad faces when their Urza Saga get Blood Moon to death. So I'm going to give it a hey, C. Hey, I resemble that remark. I'm going to give it a C because, yeah, it needs some work, but at the same time, like, oh, the, those salty tears are sweet. Oh, we're going to fight, Brian. <laughs> All right. What do you what do you want to fight about? What do you say it is? I, I'm an amulet player. I love my Urza Sagas because they help me get three amulets by turn three on the battlefield so I can end the game quickly and go get lunch. So, yeah. Um Anyways, on that end, uh, I'm going to say probably a C, mainly because I also like the fact that this lets you do really fun things like, especially in Wilds of Eldraine Limited, where we're at right now, where you can have the final chapter ability of your saga go off and in response cast an instant that has bargain and you can use the saga to as a bargain element and sacrifice it to the bargain before it goes away. So like that kind of interaction I really like. And I like my Urza Sagas, so I'm torn. I like it. I don't like it. So, eh, C. Yeah, I, I think this is just flat out a C. Um, I don't think it's... I, I When we get into these and we, we start getting further down this list, we're going to find that we have a whole bunch of these new card types that all required different state-based actions and able to make them work. Uh, sure. Um, but I, I don't think I've had enough time playing them, even, you know, even playing a lot of limited with different experiences with them to have a greater feeling about them one way or the other. So, so see, that's fine. All right. Moving right along to 704.5 T. If a player's venture marker, oh boy. If a player's venture marker is on the bottom most room of a dungeon card and that dungeon card isn't the source of a room ability that has triggered but not yet left the stack the dungeon card's owner removes it from the game it being Uh, the venture marker yes so (sighs) dungeons are fine i guess i'm feeling very (laughs) meh about this so i'm just gonna go d because it's basically trying to 
go along the lines of the previous rule of, of sagas and chapter abilities, but just for dungeons. And yeah, not not thrilled by it. So yeah. D. B, bravo. Uh, D, D as in dumb. D. Dumb. Okay. Which sounds Charles. a lot like stupid to me. Um, yeah. Again, I think dungeons are seeing play in either legacy or vintage. Um, they're out there. So yeah. we need a way to clean them up, get them out of the way when they're not there. I would give it a C. Again, it's it's just okay. It's interesting, but it's not super special. Um, I... <laughs> Yeah, I I think this is another uh another state based action that doesn't do a whole lot because you get the dungeon ability when you go into the next room. This is just the cleanup at the end of saying like, all right, you're in the last room, you've already done the thing. Now there's no point in being in the room anymore. Okay, well you could also just leave it and just the next time you go into a dungeon, you enter the you know change the rules to enter the dungeon so i don't actually i'm gonna say d because it doesn't do a whole lot and it's got that whole like and it isn't the source of a room ability that is triggered but not yet left the stack nonsense yeah and d is for dungeon d is for dungeon (laughs) what is u for brian u is for me uh yeah it's it's my turn it's absolutely oh, my okay. turn. I thought absolutely. Brian would love. Oh no! I thought, oh no! Never yeah. mind. You're right. This, this is yes. Yeah, sorry. What is you for, Charles? This is all. This is all, Charles. Listen, listen, listen folks. <laughs> I know my lane, <laughs> and and I'm happy in it. If a permanent with space sculptor and any creatures without a sector designation are on the battlefield, each player who controls one or more of these creatures and doesn't control a permanent with space sculptor chooses a sector designation for each of those creatures they control. Then each player who controls one or more of these creatures chooses a sector designation for each of those creatures they control. See rule 702.158, Space Sculptor. Uh, Thank you, Space Jace, for this very poignant and special state-based action it's an s there's 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 no argument we can just go on to the next one i don't i don't even need to know what your your opinions are it's it's an s oh you do (laughs) (laughs) space sculptor so i'm not gonna yuck your yum charles because i do like silver border cards i don't like i found that i don't really like the acorn cards and some of the stuff with Unfinity was a big miss. And to me, this card just... Just that. Just makes me sigh and grumble and want to move along to something else more fun. Even though I'm currently in the middle of designing and trying to acquire cards for a Silver Border Cube. So, like, I love... Don't get me wrong. I love Silver Border stuff. I think it can be really fun. But this just... I mean... This is just my commentary on Space Sculptor in general. It is a... Uh, this is a thing we have to worry about now. Okay. Sure. So, I'll I'll be generous and give it a, a C, I guess. Begrudgingly. <laughs> I was... I was bracing for an f uh brian are you gonna help him help me there <laughs> uh, yeah well i'm i'm not going to give it an f i nothing this state-based action <laughs> i 
I quite literally have tried to make myself read this paragraph of text like five or six times, and I don't get past like the eighth or ninth word. I just, if a permanent with space sculptor and any, I don't, I don't care anymore. There is literally, <laughs> there is literally nothing you can do that will make me read this state-based action. So there you have it, listeners at home. Like, Everybody agrees it's an S. We can move on to the next no, one. I, I will, I will legit, I will legit punt straight up punt if someone's like hey brian there's a question involving space jace i'll be like find an l1 i don't i don't want to know how this works i i nothing it it's not it's it's not even it's not even an f because f's i look at and i'm just i'm kind of jokey about it and you're like haha i got an f for a d <laughs> this is just i i have a blind spot nothing it's yeah, C rule seven hundred two one fifty eight space sculptor. No thanks, hard pass, hard no. Yeah, hard no. Need you to pump the brakes on that. <laughs> take ten to twenty percent off the top. All right. Uh, next up, if so, we've had we've had sagas, we've had ventures, we've had space sculptor nonsense. Uh, it's only right that we have a whole mess. They added a new permanent type. Let's add some new state-based actions for that. Um, so if a battle, when Tweedle Beetles battle with paddles, it's called a Tweedle Beetle <laughs> paddle battle. But if a battle has a defense of zero and it isn't the source of an ability that has triggered but not yet left the stack, it's put into its owner's graveyard. It's not sacrificed or anything like that. It's just... The battle has a defense of zero and isn't the source of an ability that has triggered, but not yet left the stack. Just pick it up and put it in the graveyard. Bloop. So this is the Planeswalker portion of the battle. When when we first described battles and talked about them a little bit, we would use different card types that already existed to talk about it, right? And And this is the Planeswalker portion of it. When the defense counter, which is similar to loyalty, but not quite the same... But when it's zero, it's gone. Makes sense. Well, well, that's if it's zero from some some way. Um, let's say the damage dealt to the battle results in that many defense counters being revealed. If a battle's defense is zero and it uh, isn't the source of an ability that is triggered, but right? Yeah, so when it hit, when the down. battles hit zero, something yeah. happens to them. Yeah, generally mm-hmm. speaking, that is going to turn them into something that is not a battle. Right. Okay. So, what do you think? I think solid B for battle. It's it's good. It's required. It's clean. The only reason it's not an A is the isn't source of an ability that is triggered, but not yet left the stack. We get why that has to be there for reasons, but yeah, it does it does the job. B. Brian, do you do you? Uh... Yeah, I, I, let's see. <laughs> it's just it's just it's just mad. <clears throat> Uh, like, I I am um, also still in the C area for most of this new stuff, and I'm going to continue to score it a C. Um, I'm, I don't feel it's quite a cop out. It's just I just don't know what to think of them all yet, and it's fine. I think I I think I'd be more engaged with it if battles saw more play outside of limited. Um, as it is, I I know that they've seen some standard and maybe even some pioneer shenanigans, but they haven't seen much play yet. So I'm still waiting for them to take off. Well, 
let me interest let me see if I can interest you with 704.5 W. If a battle has no player in the game designated as its protector and no attacking creatures are currently attacking that battle, that battle's controller chooses an appropriate player to be its protector based on its battle type. If no player can be chosen this way, the battle is put into its owner's graveyard. See rule 310 battles. So this one is, I think, really interesting because it's kind of a throw forward like Wizards likes to do every now and then because when they introduced battles, they were like, well, battles currently have the subtype sieges. They can have other subtypes and likely will down the line. But for right now, we just have sieges. So because there doesn't exist anything other than just a battle siege, it's hard to evaluate this, I think, because there could be other types of battles coming down where this could be much more relevant in maybe like some that are focused for a commander where you're really going to see this in play more often and you could lose its protector and have to shift this at somebody else. But for right now, eh, see, I guess. Yeah, see, I mean, I, I really haven't seen battles a whole lot. So these, all of, all of these uh, state-based actions related to battles haven't seen them a whole lot. This is predominantly um, what's what's kind of interesting is this state-based action right here is kind of set up for multiplayer, mm -hmm. right? But all the multiplayer rules are in a different section. 704.6 is where all the multiplayer stuff is. So mm. this right here is kind of a multiplayer is kind of a multiplayer um, battle or sorry, a multiplayer state-based action in the the core non-multiplayer section. It does have the whole section that says like if no player can be chosen, um, then it then it goes uh, then it goes away, which I guess is the only saving grace that puts it in the general state-based action section. But eh, see, yeah. I, I'm gonna you know not give this one a C. Surprise, surprise. No. Oh, I'm going to give this a B, and I'm going to give it a B because of something that Marcus said. There's future-proofing that's happening here with the design of this. Um, I'm very hopeful that they were looking ahead at the next two years, realizing that there might be other battle types that they're going to release. And uh, they designed the, this particular this particular ruling in such a way that they're not going to have to change it. And I think that that shows smart design for a rule. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a B. Nice. So is it my turn? I've lost track. So. It, it is my turn. Cool, X. cool. Yep. So if a Siege's controller is also its designated protector, that player chooses an opponent to become its protector. If no player can be chosen that way, the battle is put into the uh, owner's graveyard. Gee, that feels a lot like the previous one. In fact, it's very similar. So I'm going to give it... I think I'm just going to give it a D because I think it probably could have been done in such a way where the two were combined. Well, no, wait, so no, Siege, Siege is different. Okay, Siege is different than Battle. Um, C. Yeah, I'll just give it a C. Yeah. Meh. So, so the difference between W and X. Okay, so W says if a battle has no player designated its protector, then choose the appropriate player to be its protector. For a for the siege for five x it says if a siege's controller is also designated as a protector. So realistically, looking at five w, it does set up for a battle 
and it doesn't specify who the protector is. The protector could be you, the owner of the battle. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or the controller of the battle. However, 5X is specifically saying that a siege's controller has to be someone or the protector has to be someone other than the siege's controller. So if there's a control changing effect that comes into play, this protects against that. Right. Or or has a um yeah, a way a way to resolve that particular issue. So yeah, if if I gain control of your siege that or I'm designated as the protector of a siege, and then I gain control of that siege, then I get to choose a new opponent to become its protector. I can make you mm-hmm. the, the the protector now. But five W is for more of the generic battle. Okay. It's sort of like when we were talking about damage. Um, killing a creature, you had a rule for if you had a zero toughness, and then you had rules for two rules for if the toughness was greater than zero. This is kind of saying, okay, a siege's controller can't be the protector. A battle, however, has to have a protector, but it may or may not be the controller or not. And the last one, or did we we already did? Did we already do the all the rankings for this one? Five uh... X. No, I know I didn't. So I'm actually okay. gonna go wild on this one. I'm gonna give this one, yeah, I'm gonna give this one S tier because I think the fact that it's taking into account that I can take control of a battle that is yours and not break the game by trying to attack my own battle that I control, like very necessary, very clean, just does the job very well. I really like how this is set up. So S tier, let's go. S for siege. Uh, I'm going to give it a C for Siege. <laughs> because, also again, meh. Meh. All sure. right. If a permanent... Okay, this is 5Y. Whew, 5Y. If a, and this is new for Wilds of Eldraine. If a permanent has more than one role controlled by the same player attached to it, each of those roles, except the one with the most recent timestamp, is put into the owner's graveyard. Uh, sure, why? I mean, I feel like this could have been templated a different way. Didn't have, I mean, being a state-based action is probably the cleanest way, but they could have, they could have, you know, done this a little bit differently. Um, this, this, I don't like, it's just a special aura. It's, it's, it's a whole extra line just for that. It's weird. It's like world enchantment for roles, but only for a specific player. And... The roles, there's like six or seven of them, and you have to remember. And uh, we have seen from the pre, pre-release that there are memory issues with roles. Oh, so yeah. I'm going to say D just because roles are roles have issues. This particular rule has issues with memory. Roles have me- memory issues. D. Yep. D. Sounds good. I'm, okay. I'm going to say... I'm going to actually say a little different. I'm going to say closer to B tier because, again, thinking of only because I really am enjoying playing Wilds of Eldraine Limited, uh, the fact that if it wasn't a state-based action, I could then, like, if it just said, oh, if you have more than one, a triggered ability pops up where you can sacrifice the one that's the oldest, then that gives you the opportunity to bargain it. So this is kind of protecting against that. I think roles and their execution are D tier. But this state-based action, I'm going to call, like, B-tier. Like, but, but why? 
why does it even need to exist? What's the harm in having multiple... If they're just plain old enchantments, what's the harm in having multiple enchantments? It's flavor only. It is. Right? I like the flavor. And, it's tasty. And it's it's limited <laughs> to uh, multiple roles controlled by the same player, not multiple roles or a single... You know, not caring which player controls it. Mm-hmm. So it's it exists just for flavor reasons. And yeah. I think the game would actually be simpler and better and less confusing without it. That's probably true. But I like the flavor of some of these storytelling things of how they do that. I've, I've admitted quite a bit that I'm a Vorthos and I like the idea of in-game being like, okay, if I'm going to tell a story and I'm going to give one of these creatures in this battlefield a role then I can't give mm-hmm. them multiple roles. And if I give them a different role, then that means they're no longer the previous role in the story I'm trying to tell. Yes, everything I'm saying here is complete malarkey. And I agree with everything you said about the game being better without it. Oh, wow. But flavorfully, it's a win. I, I was actually going to say, are we going this deep on it? <laughs> I am. This is a stupid episode. This is where we we argue about roles attached to permanence. Again, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a C just because I feel like there's a lot of player confusion about how roles work, even still, or or at least tracking how roles are are affecting their game states. Maybe that's a more accurate statement. Oh yeah, um, I Agreed. I don't I don't love um, the minutiae that went into them. I think they're clever. But I think sometimes we're too clever. So I'm just going to give it a D because um, this is the newest one for us. And I just don't feel like uh, it's hit its stride yet. Sure. Yeah. All right. So that's all the normal, (laughs) the normal state-based actions. (laughs) Now we get into the state-based actions that are added with variants. So so the Abbey normal ones. The Abbey normal ones. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Right. So let's kick it off with everybody's favorite two headed giant. This is now 704.6A. In a two headed giant game, if a team has zero or less life, that team loses the game. See rule 810 two headed giant variant for all the rules detailing this wonderful format. Uh, I'm going to call it S tier, just like the standard S tier of if you have zero or less life, you're done. The fact that we have to call it out that this is still applicable in a different format, okay, but like it, you can do anything in a game of magic, you can make up your format as you want. So, like, defining that yes, going down to zero still makes you lose is important. So, S tier, I'm, I'm gonna give this an A, um, not an S, uh, very specifically because I think that there are so many different ways to play magic and still so many more ways to play magic that I think it should simply say in a team-based game if a team has zero or less life. I don't see a need to call out who had a giant in this. Um, Either that or Hmm. we can just revert to the previous um, edition of this rule back at the top of 704.5a and just use that universally. It's it's okay. Hmm. It's, It's necessary. It's great. We get to end things and move on. I just am not sure that it's fully necessary as its own little individual thing sure was that a or b that you just did a a i'm gonna give a the exact same as i did it's single single headed giant 
uh, counterpart of of a game's got to end. Mm-hmm. This is the way we do it. Yeah. Uh, lunch breaks are for closers. Close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coffee's also for closers. We like coffee. Yeah, coffee is for closers. Coffee is for closers. Okay, uh, so in a two-headed giant game, if a team has 15 or more poison counters, that team loses the game. Well, this is a special poison rule just for two-headed giant. Why two-headed giant gets its own special poison rule and... Because aggro decks. Commander does not. I will never really truly fully understand that logic or reasoning. I know that it's out there. I know that people see it a certain way, and that's great. Um, But... I don't know. Meh. It's a C. Maybe even a D. No, it's a C. D. 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 Okay. Poison. Poison's awful. Poison Sorry, is Marcos. awful. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah, poison is bad. So D. I, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm back on the D train. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna betray my own kind and call this a D as well, strictly because of the variance of like uh two headed giant has fifteen Commander still has 10 for some reason, and it confuses people as to, like, wait, are we ever doubling things when we double life? It just, this doesn't line up in a way that's clean. So, I'm going to go D as well. All right, cool. The next one, in a Commander game, a player who is dealt 21 or more combat damage by the same Commander over the course of the game loses the game. Now, this is the same Commander, so if you've got Partner, okay... And you're attacking with two commanders. We are tracking commander damage separately for the eleventh Doctor and Amy Pond. <laughs> All right. However, this is kind of one of the core fundamental rules of Commander. It was built into the game with a hundred card decks, so that games where someone goes life gain and gains like a billion d jillion d life, they could actually still lose the game a reminder that uh dealing damage uh even if there is something that prevents the loss of life that the damage is still being dealt this is a archetypical state-based action for the format so i am going to give it an a for that uh, for that reason strong strong game what do you think marcus uh, I'm going to go A as well. I would normally be inclined to give it an S because it is so defining of how the commander format has played out over the years and how it was put together. Um, the only reason I'm not going S is because of, you know, some content creators like Josh Lee Kwai, for example, is very adamant about saying that it never comes down to commander damage. You're just killing your opponents through normal damage and comboing off and all these other crazy things. And, you know, they can't remember the last time that they were actually killed with commander damage. Uh, it doesn't happen often enough to matter. But I, I like milling and other things. I love that it's still there. So definitely an A. Um, I'm going to very cautiously and begrudgingly give it a B. <sighs> B for begrudging? B for begrudging. Um, okay. And, and <laughs> it comes with a caveat that if you ever play me in commander and want to kill me with commander damage... You need to track it yourself. I'm not going to be bothered with it. <laughs> I'll believe you That's when you tell point. me you hit. I'll believe you when you when you tell me you hit 21. Don't worry about it. I'll I'll scoop up and I'll say thank you. Good game. Um, but I'm yeah. I can't be bothered. <laughs> That's valid. I love that. That, that is that is okay. Fantastic. <laughs> That's fine. 
Okay. 704.6D. In a commander game, if a commander is in a graveyard or in exile, and that object was put into that zone since the last time state-based actions were checked, its owner may put it into the command zone. See Rule 903 Commander. Uh, This is the state-based action that came in when they did away with the tuck rule of commander where you could tuck a commander into somebody's deck and now it's gone forever and they have to go find it this just makes it that you can always have access to your commander which is so important to the format i'm going to give this an a yeah it's clean it's easy it's very clear it serves a great purpose it keeps people from being jerks i'd say an a as well uh yeah yeah this is this is the 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 purpose of this thing was it used to be a replacement effect, okay, that said instead of putting it in the graveyard or instead of putting it in exile, that you put it in the command zone. So any commanders that had like a dies effect didn't actually die. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is a way of letting letting commanders actually die. So okay sure fine uh a begrudging a <laughs> yeah yeah it's the next one jeez oh, this one um all right <laughs> we're getting to in, the zingers now folks yep we're getting into the zingers in an arch enemy f just in an f i'm not even reading the rest of it. okay no. <laughs> in an arch enemy game if a non-onco look at these words these were these are <laughs> these are these are made up words. These aren't real words. All words are made in up. In an arch enemy game, if a non-ongoing scheme card is face up in the command zone and no triggered abilities of any scheme are on the stack waiting to be put on the stack, that scheme card is turned face down and put on the bottom of its owner's scheme deck. Oh, is this what just reading this, is this what people is this what I sound like when I'm just talking about like normal magic to normies? Like none of <laughs> these words. Like I understand. I understand what these words all mean in English separately, but when they're organized in this way, I have no idea. So okay, in an arch enemy game, I'm playing arch enemy. If a non ongoing scheme, so you have your scheme deck, and there's ongoing schemes and non ongoing schemes. So if a non ongoing scheme card is turned face up in the command zone, and no triggered abilities of any scheme are on the stack waiting to be put on the stack. So this would mean it's been turned face up and it did its no thing. triggered abilities. It's did its thing already. Then you take that scheme card and put it face down on the bottom of the scheme deck. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Fine. Um, I, it doesn't make me want to play arch enemy. I don't even want to know what it is. Like just, uh, uh, D. Yeah. I, mean, I guess it does something. It does something, but I don't, I'm not interested. I have I don't know people that play Arch Enemy. I've never seen it. I've seen the I've seen Arch Enemy games. However, I've seen Arch Enemy games an infinite number of times more than I've seen Space Sculptor. Now so, look. Right, right. <laughs> You've not it. been playing with Charles much, have you? I get it. No. I get it. Okay, no. so so D. So that's you got? that's yeah. Uh, I would simply say D because I don't know enough about it to say an F, but I, I don't play Arch Enemy. I don't know anybody who does play Arch Enemy. I mean, sure, I probably you know know people that actually have played Arch Enemy, but they don't talk to me about it. They they do it in secret behind closed doors. 
Um, so <laughs> I, I would I would give it a D. What consenting adults do in their own in their own oh, home. with magic we cards need, is up we to don't them. need to know is up to them exactly. Yeah, right. You think they're doing something something dirty? No, nope, they're just playing arch enemy. D for dirty. You don't know. Let's move on. D for dirty. All right. All right. Last one. In a plane chase game, if a phenomenon card is placed up in the command zone and it isn't the source of a triggered ability that has triggered but not yet left the stack, the planar controller planeswalks. Can I just say how cool it is that we get one where I get to say phenomenon? I mean, really. That's just do 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 phenomenon. Do 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 do. Um it's it's a wonderful thing. Um I'm just going to say C, it's functional. I don't plain I don't I don't play plain chase enough. I'm I'm sure people love it. Sup. And they play it more frequently than I do. And I would not I would I would not mind playing a plain chase game. So if somebody wants to invite me to play one later on, that's fine. I'm available. Um, but just to see, it's fine. Yeah. Did I did I'll I break you both? Well on that. See, yeah. no, just like trying to evaluate think, it. I saw a lot of a plane second. chase happening this weekend at Command Fest, and they were fine. It was, I was more intrigued about like the chaos ensuing stuff that happens with plane chase. I think plane chase is yeah. great in concept, but it does add a lot of time. And then when you combine plane chase and timey wimey decks, wolf. So, um, eh, C. Actually, no, so, I'm going to give it a B. Yeah. I'm going to give it a B. I, I, like, I like the fact that you have, like, instances and sorceries in your planner deck as these phenomenons. That's fine. Yep. Give it a B. Yep. I'm going to give it a B, too. And here's the reason why. Okay. Um, as Marcos hinted at, is plain chase adds to the game. Okay. Because people are having to constantly stop and read, what's this plane do? Do I want to roll chaos? Do I want to stay on the plane? People just don't pay attention. But phenomenons, boom, one and done. They just happen. They go off. And yeah, you've got this, the isn't a source of a triggered ability that is triggered but not yet left the stack. Yay, you've got that clause in there that's actually holding it down, you know, and keeping it down. But the fact that this phenomenon happens it goes to the bottom, and then you don't got to think about that phenomenon anymore. Chef's kiss <laughs> accelerates the plane chase game. Mwah. Nice. All right. Now, Charles, you did say that this was the last state-based action. It was. It is not. Oh, it is not? What did I miss? Much like the secret card in a hidden lair, there is a secret state-based action. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm intrigued. They color me intrigued. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What 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 is the secret? This state-based action you will not find in the comprehensive rules. Listeners, do oh. you know the state-based action that I'm talking about? That's right. That's right. It's in the <laughs> magic tournament rules for dealing with single elimination rounds. From the end of match procedure section of the MTR, we have a paragraph that says in single elimination rounds, matches may not end in a draw. If all players have equal game wins at the end of additional turns, the player with the highest life total wins the current game. In the event all players have equal life totals, or are between games and the game wins are tied, the game slash match continues with an additional state-based action. If a player does... and the And that is... If a player does not have the highest life total, 
they lose the game. And oh, this, man. this, my friends, is S tier. And the no reason question. why I feel that it is S tier is because the only time this really comes up is when you gotta leave. Like, <laughs> it is the end of the night. It is late. The hall is closing. Not granted, there's there's other, like, you know, grinder matches and stuff like that. But when this really comes up is you got to get out or we got to pay more money to keep the hall open. We got to be out by midnight. Let's go. I'm going to agree with both of you that it's an S tier, but the librarian in me is screaming at having a state-based action that is not at least referenced in the rules, even though I understand that it has to do with tournament play. Tournament rules. Yeah. If you put it in the CR, someone will look at that, expect it to be the thing. And then, okay. Yeah. I I, I would, I would love to have a cross reference. Or something. Agreed. I, I don't know. So I don't know. It's it's so, just it's just if you have if you have all your state based actions in one spot, I get it. But yeah. All right. And dear listeners, please go on to X or Blue Sky or on Facebook because I know that one of y'all is going to say like, but Brian, you didn't explain. What happens if one or both players have a Platinum Angel when this state-based action goes into effect? And I'm going to say, tell us on Twitter. Participate. This is what's called engagement. Come on. (laughs) Get in there. Let us know what you think the correct answer is. Or also join us on our new Discord as well. We've gotten a lot of people coming in there recently, and we've been having some good chats in there. So, yeah. Join us. Yeah. Invites are in all of our socials or at the very least on uh, judgecast.com. So you'll be able to find it there. Good, good. Wonderful. Okay. So before we uh, end the show, just a quick little bit of news. So last episode, we did talk about uh, Judge Foundry and what they're playing, and they're continuing to put out articles and stuff like that. However, just recently on Facebook, uh, it was announced that a uh, a nonprofit in Finland was being formed as well. So an organizational club, and they've already kind of decided on who their trustees are going forward, and they're going to begin drafting plans. So at least one other region has started moving in the direction beyond just people on discords talking behind closed doors. They've actually begun that process which is great to see because i did see some other uh on the on the l3 list there was there was a little bit of you know like hey we're doing this for we're talking for a group for countries a b and c and another person comes in and says like yeah we're we're talking about an organization for countries c d and e and then someone chimes in with hey i noticed that country c is in both of y'all's lists are you guys talking to each other and the answer was no they're not (laughs) so um whoopsies yeah so hopefully got that resolved so that those countries can start uh start talking to each other yeah uh, europe and, and elsewhere presents interesting puzzles because of language and cultural issues and 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 different philosophies and it's going to take them time to sort this, and I wish them all the very best in doing so. 
um, if there's any way that anybody can help them with this, you know, I'm, I, but they have really good uh, leadership and I'm sure they'll figure it out. Yeah. Really intrigued yeah. to see how everybody's going to be putting this all together. Cause I'm sure the U S is not the only one scrambling. Neither is Canada. Everybody's trying to figure out what's going to make sense for them. And I'm excited to see how that's going to pan out considering how different the needs of each region are like, you know, the idea that one region kind of sets the rules for everybody doesn't always work the best. So no intrigued to see what comes from that. Okay. Well, do we have, is that enough else? stupid for one show? Uh, it feels like yes. a lot of stupid for one show. We may have overstupid it. <laughs> yeah. Is there, is there, is there such a thing as <laughs> an excess of stupid? stupid. <laughs> there, there's the bumper for the show. We might have overstupid it. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. So, all right, that's our episode. Join us next time when we probably talk about the Ix- Lost Caverns of Ixalan release notes. Uh, until then, you can send us an email at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at judgecast and on bluesky at judgecast.bsky.social. And check out any of our social media for invite links to our Discord server for judges new and old, also fans, and anyone who supports the judging community. It's not restricted to only L1s and above. I'm Charles Feather, and I keep it fair. I'm Marco Sanchez, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman, and I keep it just the right amount of stupid.